Hello and welcome. My name is Jamie and I'm the host of Swiss Asset Management Talk, the podcast for everyone who's interested in learning more about offshore banking, financial services and registered investment advisors. Today's guest is David Lesperance. David is an international tax and immigration advisor with over three decades of experience in helping high net worth individuals and families. David is the co-author of The Flight of the Golden Geese with London School of Economics professor M. Emeritus Ian Engel. David has written for or been featured in numerous media outlets, amongst others, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and several leading European and Asian journals. Since being called to the bar in 1990, he has firmly established his expertise with several major law firms, his own law firm, and as a private consultant. In today's episode, we talk about David's service of providing a customized backup plan that consists of comprehensive citizenship, residence, and domicile solution that plans for the worst while hoping for the best. David's plans fully address potential economic, political, societal, and environmental changes that could impact you and your family's wealth and security. I can't wait to take you along for the ride. Hello, David. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure, Jane. Um, so as I have mentioned in the introduction I did before, you are an international tax, tax and immigration advisor. You have uh, several decades of experience. And I have read online that your interest in these areas grew from your experience as working as a Canadian immigration and customs officer while studying law. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about how it all began and, and what draw you to, to this line of work. I really grew up with this at the breakfast table. I lived in uh, the Windsor, Detroit, in Windsor, which is on the Canadian side of the Windsor, Detroit border. My father was an auto executive who would wake up in Canada and go and work in the United States. And what was quite common back in the day was uh, mothers would go across to the United States, have their baby in the United States, and come home, the child would be a dual citizen. And my mother did that for my older sister and older brother, but my parents were blood incompatible, so they didn't do it for me. So I literally grew up in a household where half of my siblings were dual citizens. <laughs> um, I then needed a, a job. One summer, my father was in charge of auto, implementing the auto pack for General Motors, which was the predecessor to the free trade and NAFTA, now USMCA. Um, so I worked uh, at the booth for customs and I saw the immigration uh, people with their feet up reading the newspaper. And I thought, oh, that's the job for me. <laughs> and then we uh, transferred er, my, my father transferred um, to Toronto and uh, I did the same job at the Toronto airport. So I did the busiest car and air entry points. And as I like to say, and that was before I saw the light or went to the dark side and got called to the bar in 1990 and have been practicing since then on the other side. Interesting. Okay. So, and then once you um, were admitted to the bar, how, how did your career develop from there? How did you end up um, working on, on international um, clients like you do right now? Canadian lawyers uh, generally are very used to working with American clients because it's the largest trading partner. Um, I had my first client, uh, U.S. expatriation client, in 1990. The fellow uh, was a Detroit area resident. He 
had gotten citizenship by investment in this place called St. Kitts and Nevis, which I knew was in the Caribbean, but I do confess at that point, I had to look at an atlas to see exactly <laughs> where it was at. Um, and we did a very smooth renouncing his U.S. citizenship, brought him into Canada, sheltered all his income, Canadian taxation, got him a non-immigrant visa to work in the United States, cleaned up a few things, left and and worked very well. And I thought, well, that was very elegant. I don't know how many more of these I will ever do. And it, I started doing maybe one a quarter uh, of clients. And then there was a, a Forbes magazine article called The New Refugees, um, which highlighted people like John Templeton and Mark Mobius, who had done the same strategy. And I thought, well, this is going to be the end of this. And, but what it did was it shone a very bright light on a very kind of dark secret of U.S. tax planning, which was there's a way out. <laughs> Everybody doesn't tax based on citizenship. And so it kind of grew from there to the point where over the last three decades, I've probably done somewhere between two and 300 expatriations and for everyone that's an expatriation, I've probably done three or four families where we give them that option, but they haven't decided yet to trigger the option. Interesting. Okay, so what are the, the considerations that, that drive those um, clients of yours um, to the point where they would like to um, renounce their citizenship or, or have a backup plan in, in store? Well, a backup plan can be for a variety of reasons. Uh, it's to protect, it can be everything from uh, tax uh, minimization, succession planning, asset protection, especially when we're dealing with uh, family law. Uh, we tax lawyers like to say, you know, taxation is a percentage of income. Divorce is a percentage of capital. And even though the patriarch and matriarch may have a solid marriage, statistically half of the children will not and go through a divorce and that can dissipate the family wealth quite quickly over several generations so we want to plan against that and so the backup plan is both a shield against that it also provides opportunities in that it gives alternative residences and citizenships for clients uh, just as the decision of my ancestor to move from france to canada had a profound effect on on his life but it also had a profound effect on the future generations. And likewise, the decisions that clients make here um, will have a profound effect on, on their future life. And it's becoming increasingly popular. Um, I, I will have to say, over the 30 years, I've seen kind of you know ebbs and tides of, of this. Um, but over the last few years, I've seen an extraordinary increase in the interest and number of clients who are getting backup plans and how many of them will expatriate. There are record numbers that are doing so, um, but that will really depend on how things unfold in the future. And I like to use the, the analogy that it's a bit like being in a wildfire zone. Well, if you're in a wildfire zone, you engage in fire prevention. So you do domestic planning, tax side that may be things like harvesting capital gains while it's at a lower rate you then get fire insurance which would be alternative citizenship and residence and you get a fire escape plan just in case the fire gets too close and 
just because you've got insurance doesn't mean that you want to have a fire. You just realize that if the fire comes close and you don't have it, the results can be financially devastating. I see. From from your um, perspective, what do you think? What what are um, the drivers uh, that led to to more people being interested uh, in in the kind of solutions that you're offering over the past couple of years? Well, if we just pick one area, uh, for example, if people can remember all the way back to the 2016 American election uh, during the debates, one of the main topics was something called carried interest, which is a particular type of tax treatment for real estate, venture capital, private equity people who would get a part of their compensation that was taxed at capital gains rates, generally half of what the ordinary tax rate would be. Uh, And there was talk about eliminating that exemption and having them taxed at ordinary rates. Well, we've gone quite, there was no talk of a wealth tax. That that certainly is something that has come in. And the Democratic Party has has settled and said, it is our platform that we will tax capital gains at ordinary tax rates. That's for everybody, not just for this small sector of fund managers. And so that's a pretty dramatic change and encapsulates a large, in fact, encapsulates all high net worth families in the United States. So that's one of the main drivers. Again, you know, may you live in interesting times. We are certainly living in interesting times. Uh, The world is very volatile, not just in the United States, economic situation, COVID-19, the political situation. But that's true at every country in the world that you look at in the global economy. So insurance is looking much more attractive these days. Yeah. And for clients who are interested in, in maybe formally leaving the, the United States, what, are, what is there to consider? What are the most important aspects that they ha- will have to think about? Well, one of the things, it's a very scary thing to hear at the, at the first. And most of the clients who've retained me, one of the first things they confess is that they never thought that they would ever do this. And one of the things I have to tell them in, is, over those three decades and those hundreds of expatriations, I've only ever had twice have I ever had both a husband and a wife expatriate. It's normally we we have one person in the family kind of takes one for the team. Um, they have the ability. It's not a problem of going back into the United States. In fact, the issue is not getting access back into the United States. It's self-control so that you don't spend too much time and reacquire tax status based on physical presence. Um, the considerations are, are really, you have to first look at the, the tax planning opportunities and, you know, what are, you know, have you used all the domestic things like unified credits and all the different strategies that are available to you there. And you then get to the point where you're saying, yes, this makes sense. And I call that the boardroom examination. You then need to have the breakfast table examination, uh, which is, is this, have you put together a backup plan and is there a, an ability to reproduce for the, for the whole family a livable plan? And who has to do what? And are they okay with that? Um, it's, it's much easier, for example, for somebody who grew up outside of the United States and has lived somewhere else 
all of their lives and happen to get U.S. citizenship through an American parent, they don't have as much adjustment as somebody who may have lived in the United States. But increasingly, we are seeing people overcome what I call life inertia. And that may be from you know, moving from New York to Palm Beach or moving from California to Texas. Well, the, the biggest movement is that original movement from your current location. If you're overwilling, if you're willing to, to overcome life inertia just to escape the state level of taxation, with very little change, people can actually also eliminate the federal level of taxation. And, and, and that's really one of the, the kind of realities that people are starting to do. We're seeing more and more people change states. Therefore, they're considering maybe going the whole way. So if someone's thinking about um, a solution like you are proposing, how can they decide or how do they know when, when the right time is to, to actually take steps in this direction? Well, the, the first thing is the prudence of getting the insurance policy. You need to, if you want to give yourself the option to be able to vote with your feet, you must have an alternative citizenship because the U.S. has the unique basis of taxation based on citizenship so you know must have another citizenship that so that may be one came into the united states became naturalized that may be the one you had already from birth that may be a lineage citizenship that you got from some parent or grandparent different countries look at that it may be things like israeli citizenship through alia or it may be something like a citizenship by investment or naturalizing in a foreign country if there's enough time. You get that alternative citizenship. That alternative citizenship may or may not also provide an alternative residence for you to relocate. Remember, I mentioned that you have to you know, limit your time in the future uh, in the United States. Uh, it's a bit complicated, but basically less than 120 days, or if your residence is in a tax treaty jurisdiction that can get closer to 183 days, um, you, you need to get those, those elements in place. When, and you have a fire escape plan that shows if you're going to use this, this is how you, all the mechanical things that you need to do with your assets, etc. When that moment is that you decide, if ever, to, to vote with your feet or to use the fire escape plan is a very personal one. Uh, I am seeing a number of clients who are getting this in place and they said, you know, a, a political alliances or, or hopes or fears aside, um, there is an increasing possibility that the Democrats may uh, sweep the presidency, the House and the Senate in the fall. And that will mean that they will uh, increase capital gains rates to ordinary rates. That's a jump from 23.5 to 39%. That's quite substantial for clients. That's a very tangible level of, of damage, shall we say, to them. And so they may say, okay, well, I want to be able to protect myself against that possibility. Uh, it's dangerous to wait until after the results of the election come in because the swearing in occur would occur on January 21st. 
and it's not like they would pass it on January 22nd, but the moment they introduce that bill, which they're certain to do in the first 100 days of office, um, that's people who uh, want to avoid that capital gains increase need to have pulled the trigger before that, which means that they have to have the insurance policies in place. So that's why we've, we're very busy right now with clients who are getting the insurance policies in place and they'll make their own decision as to if and when they're going to execute a fire escape plan. So if one of our listeners um, is interested in, in learning more about this uh, insurance plan and, and maybe possibly moving forward with it, with it, where can he or she find more information and, and resources and how can those people get in touch with you? Um, they can go to our website, which is, uh, and hopefully you'll put this along with the um, information, but it's uh, Lesperance Associates. L-E-S-P-E-R-A-N-C-E associates, plural.com, com, And you'll see uh, quite a bit of information in there. You'll see some in media and in the blogs, quite a bit of information. But the easiest thing to do is when they go there is to simply send an email. Uh, and I would provide a, a, a free consultation for them to really determine if this is something that's appropriate for them to consider kind of what are some of the options and really look at, is this something that, you know, may make sense for their family. Sounds good. I will definitely include the website and the link to your email address in the description to this episode. So if people are interested in learning more, they can check it out there. Um, is there anything we need to cover? Have I forgotten anything? Is there anything additionally that you would like to talk about or mention today? Well, it, one of my major jobs is to stay up on kind of the daily news. We are speaking the day after uh, Switzerland voted <laughs> to uh, maintain um, the um, ability for EU citizens to come in and be residents of Switzerland. Switzerland is quite a popular destination for a lot of clients because of the country, its infrastructure, its familiarity. Uh, also, the, the forfait fiscal lump sum tax treatment is um, very favorable. And so clients ask, well, can I get Swiss citizenship? And I said, well, no. The better thing to do is to get citizenship in one of the 27 EU countries and then register uh, as a Swiss resident. And the ability to do that is what they confirmed and voted on. The continuing ability to do that is what they, they voted on uh, yesterday. So that's a very viable strategy. I have a number of clients who are looking at that. And as a, as a preliminary step, um, a lot of clients are and this is how, for example, um, I got to know your institution, uh, who are U.S. citizens, and they are setting up bank accounts, uh, U.S. compliant um, bank accounts and brokerage accounts uh, in Switzerland for a couple of reasons. Number one is every country has what is called um, home country bias. Uh, Americans tend to put too much in U.S. dollars and U.S. securities. Canadians and Aussies and Kiwis and, and Brits do the same thing. 
So this is an opportunity to diversify their portfolio. It's also an opportunity to get money out of the United States physically. Uh, it will be taxable in the United States so long as they remain U.S. citizens, um, but it will be fully compliant. And once they have that set up, it's one of the things that we encourage clients to do as part of their backup plan, because once the bank has done the due diligence on the client and setting up, setting them up as U.S. persons, as it's called, U.S. persons for tax purposes, post-expatriation, they've already got the account open. They already know the client. It's very easy for them to shift over to be no longer U.S. citizens, and they can do that very quickly. So that's something that clients should also be considering. That's a great point. Thank you so much for um, bringing that up as well. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, it was a pleasure catching up. It was really interesting hearing what you have to say, and I'm sure it will be an interesting uh, episode for our, all our listeners. Thank you again, Jamie. It is my pleasure to end today's episode with my main takeaway from my conversation with David. And this is, it is prudent to set up a backup plan before imminent danger is on the horizon. Just having in place a plan can provide a lot of safety and better sleep at night. If you are interested in learning more about what David's firm is offering, please get in touch with him directly. You can find a link on, to his website in the description of this episode. That was it for today. Thank you so much for listening and have a great rest of the day.